And welcome back to That Rugby Podcast, joined by myself, Orle, on the other side of the world now, in yeah. England. International edition. International edition, um, and Husey, we've, we've given you a week off, we've given you a week off, to kind of mull, get your thoughts together, just kind of try and get an understanding of what's happened. Yeah. It's a bit like, um, it's a bit like when you see a car crash on the other side of the road, and you see like an arm hanging out of a door. You see like a bloodied child safety seat, and you're just like, "What has gone on here?" And you, you just your imagination runs wild, runs wild a bit, or um, and you start to piece the bits of the puzzle uh, together, trying to figure out what's gone wrong here. Um, I mean, far out, you know. It's just. I think I think we I think none of us really took Eddie Jones that seriously when he was like, yeah, I'm I'm building for 2027, and this and he really didn't seem to care about this World Cup, you know, like the selections he picked were definitely not for this World Cup because if you were playing to win this World Cup, there are a host of other names you would have called in. I think all of us were like, oh, you know, that's good, that's fine, bluster. But you look at this, and you're just like, wow, he's really just thrown shit against the wall to see what'll stick um, for, for next time. He hasn't really played to to win this tournament. So, yeah, yeah. In, in, in a way, it's just like, okay, wow, he was being literal. He wasn't circum, circumventing anything. He was being straight up, and it's just a bit like, that's surprising. Um, I mean, yeah, we look, hindsight's great, isn't it? And the performances mm-hmm. that the Wallabies have put out haven't been up to standard. There's no doubt about that. But I sit there and I go, especially these most recent ones when you've got Ben Donaldson as your starting team, and I go, the fact that we didn't see him at all during the rugby championship, just, I just, like, yeah, I I really don't know what to make of it all. Like, again, we we sat there and we said, look, Quaid didn't have the best rugby championship, which admittedly he didn't. But if Eddie was... (laughs) A rugby World Cup's not when you find out if Ben Donaldson's going to when you were rugby world yeah. cup in 2027 like to me you've got three years after this this was quade's last chance this was michael hooper's mm-hmm. last chance i don't see why you don't and not to say you know like obviously they're old and everything but you get every last drop out of them and not to say that they're you know you're trying you to just better them but yeah I just to me you, you, you blood them you blood the newer guys a little bit at a time you know you don't need to i guess throw them into the into the cauldron um yeah, I don't know. There's been a lot of outrage and disappointment online. Um, Understandably so. And, and, and it, you know, I guess the sort of casual observation and the easy observation is, oh, rugby's dead in Australia. It's not growing. In fact, at the lower levels, it is growing. It's the it's the transition period between the lower levels and the upper levels. That's where it's all falling apart because you've got to compete with rugby league and in some cases AFL. Uh, and you've also got to compete with other union competitions overseas. Um, so I'm going to say straight up, and I know this is one of our talking points is super rugby. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say straight up, reducing the size of the super rugby competition is, is flat out the wrong move. Just straight up the absolute wrong move because you need to get, you need to spread the wealth. Basically you yeah. need to, you need to get these younger kids contracted earlier, like they do in league, um, get them on money earlier get them feeling they have a chance to play like there's like it still is a little bit mind-boggling that there's one new south wales team 
when you think about it, right, which is rugby union's heartland is New South Wales, you know, regional New South Wales, the, the grassroots game, club rugby participations up, school rugby participations up. Like we saw the numbers from the AGM last year. The numbers are up at that level. We've got some great talent coming through the under 16, under 19 schoolboys, all that, you know, we've got this, but it's, how do we get them in Wallabies jerseys? How do we save them from being poached by rugby league? You know, and you're not going to be able to save all of them. You're not going to be able to keep keep all of them. And not all of them are going to be superstars, but that's fine, right? Because you need a healthy level of competition to make your superstars the best that they can be. Now, I'm going to skip ahead on our run show. I know we've got World go Cup, ahead, go World, ahead, Rugby yeah, World, yeah, yeah, yeah. World Cup results at the top this here. Is, and we've this, got super I feel like this, this episode is definitely your venting episode. I've allowed yeah. this to, to – there's, there's not a structure here. This is yeah. a Wallabies fan needing to let out what a Wallabies fan needs to let out. Oh, I'm past the, the rage, I guess. I'm sort of looking at, like, where do we – I, I, exactly. I well, get this over is my good. rage this quickly. Is, yeah, you're, 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 you've yeah. got past – this is why we gave you a week off, Hughes. You've got, exactly. you've got past away you can, rage. He's looking at, looking at the – what is what is next? What is focus. Next? You're, you're in the focus yeah. stage now. How can I'm in the focus stage. All right, Super Rugby. We still keep it Super Rugby Pacific because of the broadcasting dollars that you can get from New Zealand, you can get from Argentina when it comes, and you can get from Japan is really good. I actually think – Looking looking back at the last few years, and I'm not sure if New Zealand would agree with me or not, but I think letting South Africa out of Super Rugby was maybe not the right move. I think that it provided a good... Just having two styles of rugby, Australia and New Zealand, was no, I don't think it's helping either nation. Um, and you bring in that South African style of a powerhouse, another powerhouse um, style of rugby, I think improves... All of them, and now unfortunately we've lost Africa to Europe, and we're not getting them back. It's just not—it's not going to happen. It's not yeah, going to happen. I agree with you. Um, we made a mistake there. We'll, we'll take yeah. that one on the chin. Um, so what? What I think we need to do though is expand Super Rugby, but divide it. So you have your Australia Conference and you have your New Zealand Conference, and I'm proposing an NFL Super Bowl style competition where the Australian teams mostly play each other during the season, right? You have, um, you know, you have, uh, I guess, um, each, and, and you expand the teams, right? We have we have to expand the teams, right? You need at least an, one more New South Wales team, if not two. Um, and I'll get onto that sort of what I think of that in a little bit. We have the Australia Conference and you have the New Zealand Conference and you can um, have... Uh, you could, and then Fiji, Moana Pacifica, and then any other uh, other foreign teams that get introduced, like an Argentina, like a Japan, you split them between those conferences as well. So Fiji would go to the Australian competition, Moana Pacifica to New Zealand competition. Uh, it's still, oh, sorry, the conference. And then you play everyone in your conference twice a year, and you play only some of the teams from the other conference um, during the year. And you could even split it into divisions like NFL. Right. So let's say with New Zealand, it's easy to have a North Island, South Island uh, division or something like that. Yeah. You know, you can you can you can work it out a North and South division. So and then in Australia, uh, you could perhaps do a similar thing. You could have a North and South division if you get some Northern New South Wales teams in um, and you could have sort of like New Zealand. Uh, sorry, a couple of New South Wales teams, Queensland and the Northern Conference and then the Southern Conference is like WA, Melbourne Rebels, ACT and Southern New South Wales or something like that. And the Northern Conference, Fiji, Queensland, 
Waratahs and Hunter region, New South Wales, say. Um, uh, and then in and then you yeah, so you play everyone. It's like saying your divisional conference twice a year. You play some teams from the other conference. Then when you get to finals, it is the the final matchup is the winner of the Australian conference versus New Zealand winner of New Zealand conference. And you go through. You have say top four teams from both conferences. You know, uh, uh, one. Uh, one plays two in the first week, and then the winner of that gets a bye. Three plays four. The winner of that plays the loser of one versus two. Winner of that plays the winner of one versus two. Winner of that plays the winner of the other conference, right? Um, and I know a lot of people might say, oh, well, then the New Zealand conference final is going to be the real Super Rugby Championship. That's what they said about the NFL at first as well for the first for the first few years, basically, and it even happened still in the modern Super Bowl era. In, during the 80s, the NFC Championship was basically the Super Bowl because the NFC just dominated the AFC in those years. But then you got the upsets, wins. Then you got the uh, – when the AFC did finally win, it was a spectacular event. It, there's storylines to be told there, right? And I think you get more viewers if you have an Australia versus New Zealand final, right? If you're guaranteed an Australia versus New Zealand final every year, hint, both countries will watch. Right, and imagine if you got a Fiji versus New Zealand final or something like that, you would have mad numbers watching that. Mad yeah, numbers watching yeah. that. I love, I love that idea. I do, I do. I'll let you keep going soon, but I just want to pitch in that I think, yeah, you're basically getting free finals for the price of one because you mm-hmm. get those conference final games, which, like we saw with the Australian Super Rugby competition when it was held. They loved it. Like the the Reds yeah. versus the Brumbies final was huge. Mm-hmm. Same with New Zealand. So you have those two games, which are already going to be massive. And then you have the grand final, whatever it is, the Super Bowl exactly. final. Yeah, look, keep, yeah. keep going. I like. I don't. I'm the, not the, the only the only issue I have with it is where it's held. But given it's going to be Australia versus New Zealand every year, you just alternate every year. Just simply alternate every year. Um, you know, like a state of origin type thing. Um, then in terms of what teams, what extra teams can you pull out of Australia? I mean, you probably have a view of the, any extra teams that could be created in New Zealand. For me, looking at Australia, what I would do is I would look like what the NRL did at an existing brand and then elevate them to a super rugby type level, right? So you could look at one of your shoot shield type teams like a Manly Marlins or a, a Warringah Rats, right? They already have a loyal, dedicated fan base, right? Imagine if one of those teams got elevated to super rugby level. Now, that's not necessarily saying you that team is good enough to be super rugby level. I'm saying, much like the Dolphins, the Dolphins' upper like Div 1 league team wasn't good enough to make the NRL. That's why they built the whole new roster. You do the same thing, but you've already got branding, you've already got history, you've already got fans, right? And you've already got um, a location. And the Northern Beaches team, that's, that's rugby union people believe in rugby union still in the Northern beaches, right? So a Warringah type team would be good. And then you could have a potentially a Hunter region team doing a similar thing. You you could pull a team out of Newcastle. um, Even if you just create a new team there, Newcastle is a big enough sporting town that they'll get behind them. Like Newcastle is a sporting haven and it's somewhere uh, in Southern New South Wales. uh, Potentially you just have to, that, that one I'm a little bit more iffy on just because what sort of geography are you going to have for for a team there? You know, um, but I think the Northern Beaches team and a Newcastle team would be um, would be a big one for me. And then you have a Sydney derby as well. You'd have the Waratahs versus that um, other Sydney-based team, which is always a 
you know, in inner city derbies are always, always a, a good watch because um, you get real passionate fans and you can, you know, both sides are local to the stadium. They'll get to the stadium type thing. Um, in Queensland, you could look at having a Townsville based team up there. You know, there's potential to have, to, to bring more brands into and to expand. Um, and look, I'll, I'll let that, idea sort of marinate with you because I have a few more ideas that are ticking along as well, but yeah. I'll let that first part of it marinate with you. I, and the only, the only big issue I probably have with it, and it's not an issue of design or the concept at all, it's the, the, the fans. Do we have enough fans? Mm. You know, if we look at Super Rugby at the moment, every team is struggling to get fans in through the gate, basically. Mm. Um yeah, look, um, I think splitting it to the conference idea will definitely benefit that part of it. Um, and then I, I, I listened to the uh, the good, the bad, and the rugby, the Australian version podcast after that uh, Welsh loss because he had to. He couldn't not get off listening to Drew Mitchell, um, although he couldn't mm. speak much on it. I don't know if you've listened to it, yeah. but um, if you do, he, he speaks for about 10 seconds in a raspy voice and clearly had yeah. a big night the night before. Um, I they, they, they were heavily believing that they should take away one if not two teams now the reason they're saying that and i understand they're they're saying it creates competition for spots which i totally understand but i think you Mm -hmm. lose players to league because league has yeah 17 teams now what i would do if if you are going to say we're going to take away teams and i wouldn't say i wouldn't i wouldn't put it as that way say you said we're only going to put three super rugby teams into the Super Rugby Pacific competition, mm. right? So let's say the first year, like let's say they start this from 2026. They say, well, let's say they do four. Let's just say they do four because Argentina's coming back in. So let's say they go Melbourne and Brumbies, Reds, Waratahs in. I think then you start a second division Super Rugby Australia with Western mm. Force, like what you've just said, you build some teams around there and you have a Super Rugby Australia promotion relegation. That's the only way. That was going to be one of my next ideas. That's the only way I can see it working with yeah. taking away teams. If you're going to take away yeah. teams, you've got to give an opportunity for more teams to be able to play and and step up because you, the more opportunity you get with those players, those younger players being able to sign at any of these clubs, like you said, you do exactly. want to expand it. You need to expand it, but you need to do it the right way. I don't know what the right way is, but I like. The idea of that, if they're going to shrink it, shrink it to expand. You need to you need to get more. You need to expand the amount of players that are under contract and being paid that can have a future in rugby, right? Totally. And people say, "Oh, where's this money coming from? Where's this money coming from?" We're having a British and Irish Lions tour in two years. We're having a World Cup in four years, right? That's bringing in money, right? That's bringing in money. And you can't tell me that the old boys club that runs Rugby Australia doesn't have some cash behind them. You can't tell me that, right? Now. Promotion relegation is another idea that I am a big fan of as well because it does create desperation in those lower ranked teams, right? It does create the need to to win, um, and so I would I would still oppose shrinkage. I would encourage growth, and then you create that second tier competition below it, and then teams do have the. Uh, potential to be relegated, which is again why I think we need to break from. I think we need a bit of a rebrand of some of the teams in Super Rugby away from state-based, because 
having one team for the whole of New South Wales, it's not good enough. Having one team for the whole of Queensland, it's not good. I'd say that they're the Queensland Reds. You know, it's not. And and so if they get, imagine they got relegated, right? There's no team in Super Rugby in Queensland, right? So you need to. That's why I think with shrinking and relegation, you can get into an unfortunate situation like that where Queensland feels like they're not in Super Rugby at all because they don't have a team in the top competition. That's why I think you need more teams. If you're going to go promotion relegation, that's why it works well in the English system because there's hundred. There's a t- every shit pile of houses everywhere has got its own uh, football club, you know, and they have a chance. How many years it might take to get into the the top league, right? So um, that's that's what you need. Is you need. I think these competitions, competitions from all levels, should be linked like the English system, right? You should be able to have a subbies rugby team that could, you know, that's in division one of subbies rugby. If they're good enough, they get promoted to shoot shield and the shoot shield team gets relegated. And then say they're good enough and they win the shoot shield, they can go into that tier two uh, national rugby championship competition. And if they're good enough, they win that, they go into the top level, right? That's what, that's, you know, there's, there's beautiful stories of stuff like that in English rugby where it's taken 50, 100 years for, uh, stuff like that to happen, but it is, it, it invests the fans in those sides, you know, like that's one of the things why I think the national rugby championship didn't work is that, yeah, you're supporting this team, but it's like, what's, what's the best thing that can happen? Okay. They win the championship for this. That's it, right? They can't make it to that top level. So I think you need to rebrand a lot of super rugby Australia away from state based teams. So the only one that makes sense is, ACT, right? Because it's small enough as it is. And even that we already set up with Melbourne Rebels. They're not the Victorian Rebels, they're the Melbourne Rebels. Even the Western Force, that's that's enough because we're you know, when they were in rugby league when there was a rugby league team out there, there were the Western Reds. And let's be honest, there's nowhere else in Western Australia really other than Perth. There's little towns, mining towns, don't worry, I acknowledge that, but there's not a location big enough to support. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I think you need to rebrand the New South Wales Waratahs to the Sydney Waratahs. And I think you need to get some more teams in some other areas. Because think about this. Who in Newcastle, right, is really going to be a a Waratahs fan and going to make a trip down to Sydney to watch a game? Yeah, it's yeah. going to be only a few. Exactly. But you have have the Sydney Waratahs and you have a Newcastle or Hunter uh, team or Central Coast team, something like that. You have a team in those locations, way more likely to go to those games. So that's the other problem with fans not coming through the doors, right? Is we're limiting our geography for where those fans can can go, right? In, in, the, in, a, in the entirety of New South Wales, we have one team that plays in one stadium, basically, or some or two stadiums, but in the same city. They play in the same city the whole time, basically, right? So, and then you introduce promotion relegation as well. I mean, you can then you could start a national rugby championship, right? And say you, you so you say we don't expand the teams. Let's say we keep the same number of teams as we have now, right? But you rebrand it to Sydney Waratahs, rebrand it to Brisbane Reds, and so on and so forth, right? Then you have the next level competition below that, and that's where you can introduce your regional teams. You can have your Newcastle, you can have your Wollongong, you can have Central Coast, you can have Townsville, Cairns, right? Um, and then. Uh, you say, okay, bottom team of Super Rugby Australia Conference at the end of the year has to play the winner of the National Rugby, the, the New South Wales, oh, no, the National Rugby Championship competition. And the winner of that game, 
you know, goes up, the loser goes down, right? And then, you, so say you lose Melbourne Rebels down a competition for a year, but then you bring up Newcastle, but then Melbourne can fight through and win the next year. That's also, again, why I think expanding Super Rugby and introducing promotion relegation is necessary, because if you run promotion relegation as we are now, the team's are supporting such wide fan bases, like geographically, that if you lose one of those, essentially, if you lose a team to relegation at the moment, you lose a state, yeah. which it would be disastrous. disastrous so yeah. you need to you need to split up the states so that if a team does get relegated, that's not that entire state's fan base just gone, yeah. right? Uh, so you'd say you know you'd split up Queensland to two teams, New South Wales to two teams, Victoria to two teams, and so we've, we've lost Western Australia before. We know that they can come back. I wouldn't think they'd be the bottom team anyway. But I think you take your three main states, Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, split them into two teams each, right? Brisbane Reds, Townsville, whatevers. Sydney, Waratahs, Newcastle, whatevers. Victor- uh, you know, Melbourne Rebels, as they are. And then uh, you have like Geelong something or others or something in Melbourne. You could, you could figure that out, right? You add, so that way you're adding three more teams uh, to the conference. Um, although then I guess it makes it a nine-team conference. Eh? I don't know. Maybe you keep Melbourne just to one team, and then you're more likely to lose. And you're more likely to lose a New South Wales or Queensland team anyway. You're not, you're not losing them because ideally they should be playing in a second division. So it's not like they're lost. And winning that second division, yeah. I'm just wary of like, yeah. I, it, it's just that's why I hate the idea of shrinkage because. You can you can completely lose a state's State. fan base, and we we like we saw it was bad to lose the Western Force. We saw that it was not good for Australian rugby to lose the Western Force. It just was not the right move, right? So that's that's where that's where you're gonna go. And look, there's been comments made from people involved in rugby, including the mall um, mall consultant for the Wallabies, who's a who's a Frenchman, and he said there's no pressure in Super Rugby. There's no, you not you don't risk anything, right? You're playing in a in a in a franchise mode like uh, American football, right? And if you lose, if you're the bottom team, so what? But unlike American football, you don't get a high draft pick to to compensate for that to really reeve in the competition. You just can just stay at the bottom and keep getting your face beaten in, right? So it's like the the model we have for Australian sports is like half between like European sports and half between American sports. And we're sort of getting the the shit end of both really, because we're not getting the balance from American sports and we're not getting the depth from European sports. So we need to really, you know, lean into what the best of both of those models can offer and, and play it like that. And though personally, I think we need to lean towards a more European model rather than an American model. I would agree. I think we've jumped into an American model and then it's not actually what, New Zealand and Australian fans attached mm. to. Like, mm-hmm. I think we like an identity and we like to support an identity and, like, a club is much more supported. Yeah. Um, I say that and then the NPC, or uh, New Zealand Provincial Competition, is having the w- lowest amount of crowds ever. And, I mean, he's a rugby but, but think about but, but what, what's, what's the But what's the, what's the payoff, I guess, for those teams Especially, winning? yeah. Now, yeah, yeah, totally. That's why there's the Ranfurly Shield, which is like one of the biggest trophies in New Zealand rugby, which is the holder holds it, and then when they play at home, they defend it against anyone except for finals mm. time. And other than that, it's the final bus. Like, 
doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like, um, so yeah, it's tough. I think New Zealand Australia rugby are in a predicament at the moment, and I don't. I what I worry about was like, especially with this performance from the Wallabies in this World Cup, and what happens to the All Blacks. Say we get knocked out in the quarterfinals. There's obviously going to be some reviews, but I think there needs to be a ten-year plan here. Like, like as yeah. much as you guys have got a big four years coming up for you guys, totally understand that. You can't be thinking four years we can turn this all around. How do we yeah. do this so the next, let's say twelve years, because of free World Cup cycles? Mm. How do we go the next twelve years where a we're never getting knocked out of the pools again for the Wallabies, and b let's say the All Blacks do get knocked out of the quarters, like. We, that doesn't happen again um, Or if it does happen It happens because We're still playing good rugby Because Super rugby's Really good And everything like we're that Which just in an extraordinary pool You know Exactly So I, I just Yeah I think 12 year plans Need to come into place I think We do As New Zealand and Australia Rugby Need to become more Enclosed Come closer um, Because I know There was a lot of Rift Pre Super rugby yeah. Pacific Getting sorted out Hamish McLennan And everything like that um, but yeah, I just it, it feels wrong where we're, we're at at the moment. Like it or not, Australia and New Zealand are inextricably linked in yes. in rugby and in all other facets of existence, right? Because we're pretty isolated uh, out here where we are in terms of rugby, right? Uh, we're starting to bring along some of our neighbours in terms of Fiji uh, and the other Pacific Islands, but there's a long way to to develop them yet. So we need to really lean on each other. Uh, for for support and which is which makes the rivalry great as well, right? You know, it's a it's a sibling rivalry is what it is. It yeah. is, but I think yeah, the, the the next twelve years has to be New Zealand and Australia, not New Zealand, New Zealand, Australia, Australia. If you know what I mean, it yeah. has to be yeah. to a point too. But enough about Super Rugby. Let's yeah. get on to the Rugby World Cup now. Obviously, we've been talking heavily about your Wallabies being out, mm-hmm. so I'm going to stick on to that topic. Not, not quite yet. There's, there's, yeah, a, there's the tiniest, most infinitesimal chance. Yeah, yeah, but okay. look, ninety nine percent. Yeah, ninety nine percent on the way out. Um, Eddie Jones, let's get on to this topic now, mate. I just need to hear your 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 opinions. Last time was if they go out on the pool stage, he has to be fired. I said, well, what happens if this, this, this? They lost forty to six. They then yeah. put up a fairly average performance against Portugal. Where do we go now from Eddie Jones, from this Wallaby side? I, I Look, I honestly don't know. It sounds like because whatever my feelings on it are, are irrelevant because it sounds like Rugby Australia is sticking behind Eddie and they want to see him develop, you know, with, with more time with these players. From player reports, it sounds like they believe in Eddie Jones as well. Like there hasn't been the usual locker room animosity against a a coach that's really let them down. Um, And even it it feels like there's been more vocal support of Eddie than there was of Rennie, you know, like it sounds like more players are coming out in defense of Eddie Jones than they were ever of Dave Rennie. For me, look, I think, yeah, look, if it, if it had been a close game against Wales, that it had just been we'd just been edged out, it's a different story. And then if we pumped Portugal and really gotten our fire back, like, oh, we're playing loose rugby now. Not really. I mean, to be fair, I we again, we need to give Portugal their dues, though. Like, they, Wales barely beat them. Right? I mean, let's, let's actually, let's look at their, let's look at Portugal's uh, history in this World Cup, right? So. 28-8 to Wales. 
Yeah, twenty-eight-eight to, to Wales, and really held them in check for a lot of that game, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a twenty-point margin there. But see, that's, tied think, with. Sorry, you go. Yeah, you go. No, no, you you go, you go. I think that's hidden that Wales game into the fact that Wales made two hundred and fifty tackles the week before against Fiji. But continue. Yeah. Yeah. Tied against Georgia uh, is a big one. Tied against Georgia, which is a great result. Great result. Then uh, against. Then they Bye. they've got oh, they've had a buy and then it's got their last game this week right oh no they played Fiji. all their games no they played Fiji why they've why is Fiji that not coming week. oh it's the last game that's right it's the last game of here and then they yeah they lost to um, Australia thirty four to fourteen again a twenty point margin like it was against Wales right so it's the, they haven't folded you know they haven't been the pushover that I think a lot of people well, thought they, they played were a good be. team yet I don't think <laughs> well. I mean, well, Wales is undefeated in the pool so far. Yeah, they're still so, ranked eighth. I'm just, well, I'm just saying. Look, they <laughs> even still, this look, is Portugal, Portugal we're talking about. Yeah, I know. I love Portugal. I love exactly what they've come and done, and they've turned up. And you want to see this from the minnows, but mm. I'm not going to give them credit for you not being able to put them to the sword as a Wallabies player team fan because the Wallabies, if there was ever a time to put a team to a sword and show that, oh, it, absolutely. I'm, I'm just. Yeah, Australia absolutely should have flogged Portugal. Say, if we, you're standing up for them, and I get that. Because yeah, but I'm just saying gotta, they're not. They're not been. <laughs> they're, look, they've not. They've not been pushovers for any team at this World Cup. I'm you're just, right. I'm, I'm going to hit you. I'm going to hit you with some some facts, some stats yeah. that I've, I've run um, about Eddie Jones because what we talked heavily. Eddie Jones came in at the start of this year, obviously. Mm. Steve Borthwick came in start of this year, basically end of last year. Gatlin came in start of this year. Okay, so in that time, Australia has played nine games, has scored 177 points, conceded 270. Mm. So they're averaging 19.7 points scored per game and conceding 30 points per game. Wales, on the other hand, have played 10, on average scoring 23.7, conceding 26.7. England Mm. played 11, scoring 25 points per game, conceding 24.5 points a game. So I thought, okay, look, quite clearly Australia is the worst out of that lot. Like, when we're looking at it, the results. Now, up until the World Cup, they had the hardest schedule. I'm not going to sit here and say that a couple of those Welsh and English games weren't against each Mm -hmm. other and weren't against Italy and weren't against the likes of that. But then I looked at, like, New Zealand, and obviously we play you twice, but 324 points for, 141 points again, 40.5 40.5 points for 17.6 points again. So I guess to me, we turned around and we said, you know, looking at England and they're running to the World Cup and everything like that, and we were, oh, they've lost Eddie, this is this. I just go, 19.7 points per game, 30 points against is a big one. Yeah. Like, Eddie, to me, is one of the greatest coaches. He'll go down as one of the greatest coaches in the world. For one of the greatest coaches to never win a World Cup as a head coach. Um, mm. How can you be conceding 30 points a game? Like, to me, there's just, there's something. And we hear it all the time. He says, the boys are up for it. They're, they're ready to go. He guaranteed a win against Wales. And to, yeah. to get 40 points put against you against a Welsh team that are not good. Let's, let's not be, I'm not going to 
the Welsh aren't bad, but they're not good. Like that, we before yeah. this tournament, everyone had put a line through them. We we didn't think they were getting through the pool. I thought they were going to lose to Georgia. Um, I thought I think I actually predicted it now. Predictions that they'd lose by forty to the Wallabies. Um, mm. So I just sit here and I go, what has gone so wrong in that camp for this to happen? Well, he's, he he alienated his attack coach who resigned the day before they left or something like that. I I don't know. I, it's he just. Yeah. Who knows? It's it, whatever he he's been doing though. It hasn't been working, right? Um, and there's been a lot of really interesting and insightful tweets from former rugby players and other rugby podcasters. I, you know, I'm going to shout out Ben Alexander is the main one, and then let me grab an, another name here. I believe it's the Rugby Report card. Is the other um, is the is the other big one that I um, yeah Rugby Report card. Uh, is been another really insightful one, particularly on Twitter, um, talking about it. Where and and you actually, I think, called this out after the very first game of Eddie's coaching, or maybe it was against the the Argentina, where his maybe his style of how he looks at the game uh, is outdated now, right? So what I what we've seen a lot, and this this is reflected as well in the South Africa seven one bench split. And this might be a wider problem with rugby that needs to be um, addressed because people aren't liking the way the game's going, whatever. We could we could talk about that. But rugby is, and we've addressed this issue in the past as well with the amount of stoppages in rugby and how that affects it. Rugby is shifting to almost an NFL style of game where it's about the big bodies doing bursts of play and then there's a break and then they can recover and then it's another burst of play. And it's all about the collisions and winning the collision in that uh, burst of play, almost rugby league, like, right. You know, win rugby league, you win the collision. So you can make some extra meters, get down and the rucks there. And then, you know, there's a pause in play. It's almost a bit like that in, in union at the moment where we've gotten away from an older style of rugby, which suited maybe Eddie Jones's style of play a little bit more to this now bursts of play rather than a continuous flowing game. Um, and, that's even from four years ago, that's, that's changed, right? Even from, uh, but you can even go back further. Like you look at how rugby was played in like the 03 world cup or the 08 world cup compared to now, right? You know, we've got an extra bench spot now. We discovered that when we played rugby 08, you know? <laughs> um, and so there's, you know, fatigue is less of a factor, um, right? P- players can be uh, bigger and less, endurance fit as long as they can make it through those bursts and things like that. Um, and that Australian rugby hasn't adapted to that. Um, and, and I think that's where, and, and they haven't been coached to, to learn how to play against that or to play to that kind of strength because, you know, you look at some of the players in that Wallabies roster and you can't deny the, the talent there. Right. You know, particularly a player like Angus Bell, who is sort of suited for the style and, and, has, well, has played super well. Yeah, I'm just going to jump in. Your two best players by far this year, Angus Bell, Rob Valentini. What do they bring? Exactly and, what you're and, saying. Oh, and Will Skelton as well. Let's put oh, the yeah, three in there. Totally, yeah. And and, and, and Will, Will Skelton is one of those unique, like unicorn type players, I think. Yeah. Like those two, Angus Bell is Alice Genge 2.0. Rob mm. Valentini is up there with any of the other flankers in the world, and you just go exactly the style you're talking about: run hard, tackle hard, 
when you get a chance to have a break. They're, they're extremely fit, those two as well. Like They'll keep doing yeah. it. So, yeah, I just sit there and I go, man, those two, are they, those, like, everyone's been saying, oh, I feel sorry for the boys, like the Wallabies boys, for the, the for how they've been, I guess, how how it's all happened and it's all turned out for them. There's only really two players I feel sorry for, and that's those two, because you can yeah. see that they are at a level above everyone else in that Wallabies team just about at the moment. And I go, yeah. that's who I feel sorry for. It's the ones who you can tell are a level above and are playing at that level and they're just not getting everyone else to be able to get up to that level. Yeah. I mean, I feel sorry for as well, uh, Marika Corbetti because it's his, he's not, he's retiring from test rugby now, yeah. um, which sort of came out today. Uh, um, I feel sorry for Carter Gordon for being thrown to the wolves and then being dragged back out. I feel sorry for Ben Donaldson for sort of being scapegoated a little bit, you know, as just again, thrown to the wolves and saying he's out, he's going to be the solution. He's the fix all. And then getting, to, getting torn apart, you know, um, I but I don't feel sorry for that. These, those two are professional rugby players who, again, I don't feel not, it's not that I don't, I'm not empathetic towards them because I don't think before this world cup, that they were the ones that were going to win you the World Cup. And so to sit there and then say, oh, I should feel sorry for them. No, I I could have told you that from the outset. That doesn't mean but that it's they're not, two high-quality players. You've, Australian rugby has chosen to put those two players in there. Yeah. Don't, make, don't sit there and now make me try and feel sorry for what you have done to them. You know what I mean? That's where no, I'm but I'm sorry from. for the I'm sorry for the players, those two players, uh, see, because it's they're because they're, they're not out there. Let, let's they're not out there saying you need to play me in this World Cup or I'm quitting rugby. They haven't forced themselves into that position. They've been put into that position. But you've given you're given an opportunity, and yeah. you would say that is the highlight of those two players' career. It's been able to play at a rugby World Cup, and they didn't mm. deliver. And so don't mm. feel sorry that they didn't deliver. Maybe they're not up to standard, but they were selected because they. Eddie Jones believed they were up to those levels, and they didn't deliver. That's my thing. You could sit there yeah, and they, say they that didn't deliver, it. but can you say that they weren't coached to, to, to deliver at that level? You know, you're like telling, so you're telling me that Ben Donaldson and Carter Gordon, the reason that they didn't deliver is their coaching. I think I think it factors into it. I think it I definitely disagree. factors into it. Like that's that's us sitting here and saying when England lost to Fiji. We should have felt sorry for Owen Farrell for not going out there, and because the coaching wasn't good enough. But Owen mm. Farrell, he, I, I understand where you're coming from. These guys are young guys, but this is the end goal of Australian rugby, and this is why it's. it's if it happened to a New Zealander, if Cam Roygaard went out there and lost us the game because you know he's a young guy who isn't, who isn't hasn't played up to the level he expected, I wouldn't feel sorry for him. He's got the opportunity that no other New Zealander gets. That's where the Wallabies, I think, are in such a bad place because of stuff like this when we go, oh, we feel sorry for them. Don't feel sorry for the players. Don't feel sorry for the boys. Yes, they've been put in a bad situation. I totally agree. But yeah, I get you. I get you. professional rugby players. This is their job. Mm. Like, I, I will I will allow them to be sad. Of course they can be sad. I, I Ben Donaldson and Carter Gordon didn't go out there to lose a World Cup, to, to get knocked out in the polls. I guarantee you that. Carter Gordon, I honestly have so much faith in him going forward that he will perform, and I think he he's one of the few players that will get better from this experience. Mm. He's a professional rugby player whose job was to go out there and win Australia a game, and he didn't do it. So I'm not feeling sorry for him for not doing that. I go, maybe he wasn't put in the best situation, and yeah, we can feel a little bit bad about that, 
But do, no matter what situation you're put in, he's paid to do a job, he's putting on that green and gold jersey, do a fucking job. If I'm a Wallabies fan, that's how I see it. I go, every single one of those players, other than the, I think the two I mentioned, I honestly truly believe, other than those two I mentioned, haven't done a well enough job. Will Scouts in minus that because of injuries and stuff like that. And of course, injuries, selections, all of that thing. Mm. You, you're putting on that green and gold jersey, the, 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 the memories before you that have come before you, you'd fucking deliver. You find a way to deliver. It's the way All Blacks would expect it to happen. It's the way the Wallabies, even if you're a young team, find a way to deliver. That's just, just to me, that's where I go. Yeah. I, I understand they weren't put in the best situation. I can totally agree with that. But find a way to deliver. And if you can't do that, should you be putting on a green and gold jersey? But that's the, I, yeah, that's the thing, though, is that they, I guess they didn't choose to put the green and gold jersey on. They were selected to put the green and gold jersey on. So should they, should they have said, should they have declined? Is what I'm saying. But but do they want to put the green and gold jersey on? Of course they do. Every every yeah. single rugby player will want to. Put, so they're not. This if you want but, to put it, if you want to put it on, wear it. Wear it with pride. Yeah. Do your job. I guess, but if you if you're not ready to put it on, right? But someone says put on the jersey now. What are you supposed to do in that situation? You, you, we can of course we can sit here and hold the manager at fault. Like let's think mm. about this in a workplace. Say I have got a team of, of workers and I put them into a position when they're not ready to perform, but I'm putting in them to see if they can perform and if they don't live up to those expectations, cool. I, I can be held at fault. Eddie Jones should be held at fault, but I can also yeah. hold them at fault for not being able to perform even if they... Yeah, you know, for me, is, is that, it, for me, it comes back to what you have said previously. We didn't see Ben Donaldson at all in the rugby championship. That's when the manager should have been testing him to see if he was was ready or not but the fact then that that wasn't done that's more for me it's more on the manager than it is on him when he's thrown when he's tested in the high pressure situation when you have to deliver like if you're going to test your workers test them in internally test them on a, a low importance project don't put them in on the end of your company presentation right oh, like agree. that's the, so, that's yeah. the highlight of the year that's not when you should be testing this out but right, you're, it should you're telling be. me that Ben Donaldson, playing for the Waratahs, a professional rugby player, doesn't doesn't in the back of his head think he can go out there and beat Fiji or Wales, then he'll never be a great Wallaby. That's yeah. no matter what. Like that's to me, and and I guarantee you, Ben Donaldson believed he was going to go out there and beat the Welsh. There's yeah. no doubt in my mind he fought that. He didn't do the job. It's not on him entirely, totally. But don't yeah. feel sorry for these players for not doing the job, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like, I, yeah I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you now. Like, I just think there needs to be... Like, for, there's accountability, on, and it's not on the players. The, the, yeah. the accountability doesn't fall on the players, but you've got a job to do no matter what. Yeah. That's, that's the way I see it. Don't feel yeah. sorry for them because they've, they miss out. Like, I... I have a whole lot more respect for players like Tanley Tupo, all those blokes that were crying at the end. It clearly meant a lot, but you didn't mm. achieve. And the reason it didn't mean it meant a lot was because they didn't achieve what they know they could achieve as well. And yeah. I just sit there and I go, Carter Gordon and Ben Donaldson both know that they can play a lot better rugby than they did for the yeah. Wallabies then. And that's what I think makes me feel fucking terrible is sitting there and knowing that Eddie Jones has put them in that situation where yeah. I know... We've seen Ben Donaldson play some outrageous football. We've seen mm-hmm. Carter Gordon for the Rebels play some outrageous football. And to sit there and go, they didn't do it for the Wallabies, it fucking sucks to, to that. But I'm not going to feel sorry for them for not doing it. Do it. Angus yeah. Bell did it. Rob Valentini did it. 
Will Scalson, whenever he's on the field in a Wallabies jersey now, especially this year, does it. But again, you're gonna, we're going to sit here and you're gonna, we're going to look at 2023 and go, the Wallabies have won two games, one against Georgia, one against Portugal. That is just not nearly good enough for a green and gold jersey, no matter what 100%. players you're putting out there. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, shall we move on? Unless you, yes. did you have anything else you wanted to add about your Wallabies and Eddie Jones, or we'll move into the polls and see where where to from here. Uh, I guess the I guess the only thing is that I don't think I think now is not the time to say carte blanche Eddie Jones is the coach next year or Eddie Jones is fired. I don't think there's a time for that announcement, right? I think you what I think Australian rugby what they what they're saying at the moment I don't like where they're saying yeah we're we're moving forward with Eddie's vision basically I don't think that's appropriate I think you should take the time after this World Cup do a deep dive into what happened because you've got people now in rugby Australia like Phil War who know what what goes into being a successful Wallabies team and who can look at the practices and things that have gone on and see what went wrong. I do like that there is more support being put in behind the scenes, like national high performance and all that stuff that's being implemented. I do like that. And that's going to, that is going to help. But I think you need to look like the wall as the Wallabies go, Australian rugby goes right They They're the banner bearers for a reason. And I think even before you can fix the grassroots, you've got to fix the Wallabies. Right. Um, I think there needs to be a review of what happened at this World Cup, why it went so badly. And even if Eddie Jones is going to be the coach going forward, there needs to be some oversight. There needs to be some implementation of other coaches around him, you know, maybe a head of coaching, maybe a head of development or something to, to, I guess, to not leave the final decisions in the hands of, of one man who, you know, and there needs to be, uh, I think we need to get some more former Wallabies involved wallaby greats involved in and who know what goes into um into being a successful wallaby and and winning a rugby world cup and can show these younger players what it means to wear the green and gold like you said you know like think about the 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 youth of the side like there's yeah, I don't know. Again, for for me, it, it, it just it really comes back to, down to I truly believe that one player would have made a difference at this World Cup, and that would be Michael Hooper. Totally, I I'm not even going to disagree with that. Can't argue with that. I just sit there and I go, you needed some leadership. You needed a proper seven. Didn't have it the whole World Cup. Um, so yeah, a review. And I think what I would like to see as an All Blacks fan living in Australia, hoping for the best for Australian rugby, hoping for the best for my mate Husey, is a review with a public review just about. Like, let the public know, this is what the review found. We, A, weren't good enough in this, this, this area. This is what we're doing to fix it. They just need, like, again, we've talked about this, communication from Australian rugby. Wallabies isn't good enough at the moment. So, um, yes, what did you make of the Japan job discussion? Yeah, that for me, I I, th- I feel like it's been a, a bit until there's definitive proof or whatever. I think that's a bit of a just nothing, just trying story. Because yeah. I mean, just think about how often people in professional environments and workplace environments are contacted by other workplaces looking to source their employment. And look, you never know 
when you might get fired at the end of the day from your job, you your corporation that you work for, for, for most people, unless you work for a small business or something, if you work for a big company, right, they can get rid of you like that with next to no consequences, right? So you need to maintain healthy and good relationships with other employment providers, right? So for me, Eddie, keeping in contact with Japan rugby is a nothing because that's a professional thing. That's what coaches do that, right? How do you think all these coaches that have moved on from Australia, moved on from New Zealand, from wherever they are, get other coaching gigs so quickly? Because they maintain those relationships. So for me, that's a nothing story, especially because Japan's like just appointed a new coach anyway. So I don't yeah. think they're, they're yeah. going to be looking anytime like, like that, that quickly. So for me, it's a bit of a nothing story until, until we hear more about it. Um, and Eddie's refused to speak on anything other than the World Cup while Australia is still in the World Cup, um, which I respect. You you got to keep the focus where it is. I eager to hear what he has to say afterwards, and I think that'll be more telling than than anything else. So, but for me, it's a bit of a non-story. It really shouldn't have been brought up during the World Cup. I know, as a reporter doing what a reporter does, but I was just interested yeah. to hear um, your side of it. I had no real care in the world uh, yeah. from my point of view. I don't. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I think he had his focus was completely on the Wallabies World Cup mm. campaign. I don't think. I think yeah, like you've just said. Um, let's run mm. through the pools and how we're looking. So yeah, pool A: um, France, New Zealand. New Zealand obviously just spanking Italy. New Zealand beats Uruguay, and we go through. If France does lose to Italy and doesn't pick up a bonus point, they could be out. But after what the Italians showed us. Um, yeah, a week ago, uh, chances are not great for them. So France is probably top in the pool. New Zealand second. Pool B is a fucking this mess. Is my, <laughs> this is my favourite one. So you there was a great, again, <laughs> there's a great scenario laid out today about all the different ways that can happen. So Scotland has got one scenario where they can come out on top of this pool, and it requires them to. Beat Ireland by 21 points plus, but Ireland needs to pick up a bonus point. <laughs> if they beat Ireland 21 plus, but Ireland don't pick up a bonus point, Scotland comes second in the pool uh, to to South to South Africa, and Ireland's out completely. Um, my favourite scenario is that if Scotland is leading Ireland 36 to 20, Ireland will be out of the World Cup. Unless Scotland, unless they let Scotland score another try, because if if Ireland gets a bonus point from this game um, from scoring four tries, but Scotland get um, but Scotland get two bonus points, no, if Scotland get one bonus point for scoring a from scoring four plus tries, but they only but they beat Ireland by twenty or less. Ireland is out. If they beat Ireland by 21 or more, then Ireland is in as the second place team. It's a really wet random scenario. It's crazy. Uh, most likely Ireland, but most of the results have Ireland just going through as the top team in the pool. Like if Ireland wins, they're in is what it is like. Uh, but yeah, there's some crazy scenarios that can, that can play out here and it's, it's giving me life. I do, yeah, I do. I love it. And everyone's talking about this in the 21-plus points. The last time Ireland conceded 21 points to start off with was yeah. in July 16th, 2022, when New Zealand scored 22 points in a 32-22 loss. The yeah. last time they got beaten by 21 points 
was earlier that year by New Zealand, 42-19 in New Zealand. So yeah. we're, we're talking about a team that for over a year haven't conceded 21 points. They're, they're bloody good tenors. I'm trying to see <laughs> if I can pull up the, the graphic again. I don't think I'm going to be able to find it. But <laughs> there's just the, the layout of the scenarios was absolutely phenomenal. Like, yeah, like or something. Or yeah, it's yeah. a huge number of scenarios, all depending on bonus points and for and against, and uh, whether the wind is blowing from the east or the west. <laughs> and uh, you know, did if just say, uh, Rohan will answer Gondor's call for aid and everything. Did we expect anything different from this pool? Like, this no. is exactly what we expected. These this is teams. it's what I said. This is the joust pool. This is the highly trained martial artist going out. This is a taekwondo tournament. And then Pool C was Pool C was a was a bar was a blinded bar fight with nails driven through bats. Basically, yeah, it was so scrappy. It was Pool messy, C, but at least it was competitive. It was. It, it was interesting. Pool C, Wales beat Georgia. They will top the pool. If Wales lose to Georgia and don't pick up a bonus point and Fiji beats Portugal and picks up a bonus point, they will top the pool. Um, for Australia to go through, Portugal will need to beat Fiji without Fiji picking up a bonus point. So it's looking like Wales and Fiji to go through. Then the last pool, Pool D, England uh, top the pool, can't leave that spot with a game in hand. They're playing Samoa. Mm-hmm. And then Argentina and Japan play off for that um, second spot, so realistically, a extra quarterfinal, pre quarterfinal game for Argentina and mm. Japan for who's going to get that spot. So, yeah, I th- for me, I just want to bring up because we didn't have a podcast last week, but the refereeing once more in the uh, in the Fiji George game was pretty appalling. Was there was some pretty bad calls in that game, where and I would be rightly pissed off as a Georgian fan, thinking that they could have gotten um, a win there and had to walk out uh, with a loss. Um, so and which which also coincidentally torpedoed the Wallabies' chances really. So I you know I I, I would uh, once again refereeing playing a role in things is not what we want for rugby, but it's where we are. It is. It is. Um, so yeah, for the next podcast, we will have our full pools and quarterfinals lined up. Um, mm. So since um, I don't believe any of our quarterfinal predictions are going to be right from our preseason ones because we both picked the Wallabies going through, um, yeah. we will be back um, to discuss it. We we'll have now. to re- revisit them. Re- re- I definitely have to revisit mine because I picked South Africa to be out. I picked England yeah. to be out. I picked France picked to be out. France to be out. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, you never know. South Africa and France still could be out, but England have have, have turned it around. I can tell you that much. Yes. Um. All right, mate. Look, Wallabies, been a tough old couple of weeks here. Yeah. Do you want to sign us off on this podcast? And um, next week we'll be sitting here talking about eight other teams. Probably not the Wallabies. Probably not the Wallabies. Um, you know, just so long and thanks for all the fish. <laughs> Oh, it's been tough, but it's been tough. Yeah. Um, look, there will be there will be light at the end of this tunnel. Yeah, you need to do that. You need to do when we get into the quarterfinals. You need to do the uh, Fast and the Furious, the driving away thing, where I'm Paul Walker and you're Vin Diesel. <laughs> kind of just it's just like you going into the quarterfinals, Hughesy exiting at the pool stage, or something like that. It's been uh, a long <laughs> day. We've had you, my friend. Oh, that's good. That's good. I will do that. Up.
Hey, look, <laughs> yeah, as Eddie okay. says, you're still a chance. Yeah, oh, look, he yeah he guarantees that we're still a chance. You know. <laughs> uh, on that note, right. we will leave you. Thank you for listening to this episode of that rugby podcast. Um, we'll be back again next week. For now, though, goodbye. Peace.